All right, I'll call the CPRB community forum meeting to order. I'll start with a roll call and then I'll ask the board members after that to introduce themselves a little bit. <clears throat> McConnell. Here. McDaniel. I will maybe wait for her to, to come. Townsend. Uh, you're on mute. Orville, if you could please turn that off. Present. Okay. Nichols. Here. Okay. And I do know that McDaniels um, works, so we might, uh, might have a little bit of time before we get to her. <clears throat> we'll do the introduction of the board members. I'll start with myself. Um, I am David Selmer. I'm the chair. Um, I've been here in Iowa City since about 2014. Um, I've been serving, this is my end of my term will be um, coming up on June 30th. Um, I've been serving for four years here on the board. Um, and uh, my family and I are, are located here at uh, Iowa City. Um, we take place um, and take part in a lot of the community activities. Um, help out at the food shelter once in a while and uh, and are really proud of the community that we're in, uh, not for being around here originally. We um, were both transplanted here and just really feel fortunate to end up in such a cultured city and uh, one that has as much to offer as it does. And we're proud to, uh, to take part in the ways that we have um, with this board. So I'll pass it over to Jerry next, if you want to talk about yourself. Hi, I moved to Iowa City from Spencer, Iowa in 2012. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, and that's where I had my uh, professional experience. I was a psychiatric social worker. Um, I also, I married, I just got married in September, and um, we live at Ecumenical Towers. I really love being downtown. Um, it's since quarantine, it was real quiet last year, but um, I'm anxious for the festivities to start again because all I have to do is walk half a block. Jerry, how long have you been serving on the board? You can introduce yourself. I just started in June, I think, June of 2020. Um, one of our longer um, volunteer serving members, um, somebody that's both been chair and vice chair and chair again. Um, we're glad he's part of this board. Orville, if you could introduce yourself, please. Yes, uh, my name is Orville Townsend, and uh, I came to Iowa City in 1962 on a football scholarship. And after I uh, graduated from the university, uh, I uh, worked with vocational rehabilitation services uh, for 40, working with citizens with disabilities for 42 years. And the last 20 of those years, I supervised the Iowa City area office located here in Iowa City. And uh, basically, I've been very active. I've been on the school board. I've been on the judicial committee. And I'm currently on my second term uh, here on the police review board. And I, hey, I love Iowa City. It's my home, and I'm very protective of it. And 
Mahana, if you could please introduce yourself and let us know about your term on the board. Um, I've been on the board for just under a year. I've lived in Iowa City for 21 years. I've worked at the university hospital for almost 15 years now. I actually have two terms starting there in September. Um, and I'm the director of Corridor Community Action Network. Great. <clears throat> um, we also have other members, um, part of the CPRB, um, our legal counsel, Pat Ford. Pat, do you want to say something really quick? <clears throat> sure. Thanks, David. Uh, yeah, Pat Ford's my name. I am a partner at the Left Law Firm here in Iowa City. Uh, I'm one of those guys that's not very unusual in the fact that I came to go to school at Iowa and never left Iowa City. I think there are a lot of us around. So I am independent counsel for the board. I'm not uh, an employee of the city. Okay, great. Um, <clears throat> for those of you that aren't familiar with the CPRB, I'll now give a small uh, summary of what it is that uh, the board is um, responsible for. Uh, we are a five-member panel currently. Um, <clears throat> one of our members will hopefully be joining us shortly. Uh, we are volunteers. Um, we get appointed, but uh, there's no pay or anything um, related to our, our carrying out of our duties. Um, we were established basically to provide a complaint process uh, into claims of Iowa City police misconduct. Um, it allows an avenue for civilians um, to make a complaint to someone other than the police department or also have their complaints to the police department be reviewed by a panel of their members, um, civilians, making sure basically that the Iowa City Police, um, having looked into it and deemed whether or not there was misconduct that occurred into a particular case, um, is what they did was fair, um, thorough, and an accurate investigation of that. Um, the chief of police and the and or the city manager would be the ones that would be the ones that would make a final determination um, as to whether or not misconduct took place and um, how to carry that uh, carry that out. We would review that um, after they filed a report with us and decide whether or not, again, that we thought that was fair, thorough, and accurate. Um, a complaint to the board is basically just an allegation of misconduct against a police officer. Um, and um, as far as the ultimate disposition and discipline presently, that lies exclusively with the chief of police and the city manager. Ours is more just as to opine whether or not the investigation was thorough and whether or not um, the misconduct occurred and took place. Besides that, um, we review police policies, procedures, and practices. Um, there is uh, an independent auditor that um, helps um, look at, into the policies and the compliance already in place for the um, city of Iowa City Police Department. And as a consequence, they are reviewing a lot of the policies and we are on that same schedule where we review them for the changes. Um, our power is basically just to recommend modifications to them. Um, we make certain recommendations to the chief um, or to the city council. 
and um, we hope that some of those get enacted. <clears throat> uh, it's usually a back and forth dialogue exchange with the chief of police to try to um, align our interests and explain why we want certain changes of policies. Um, <clears throat> we are not uh, a court of law. We're not supposed to be a substitute for any form of legal action against the police department of the city. People can still um, file civil claims in court against those officers. Um, and we're only limited to civil administrative review powers. We have no power or, or authority over any criminal matters, or like I said before, any kind of police discipline. Um, we are merely just supposed to be reviewing and kind of sounding the alarm um, shining a bright light on uh, areas that we think need attention. And we do that by filing presently, just filing a, pres a public report. Um, all of our reports you can review online. Um, and every year we publish a, uh, the, the number of sustained complaints or non-sustained complaints. Um, so you can track that. Um, other things that we do presently that we've been um, expanding some of our uh, our oversight would include going into um, certain types of um, excessive force matters and looking into whether or not um, those were um, the things that we wanted to examine more closely or if there's any policies or trends that we can, um, we can glean from the information that is shared with us on a regular basis, then we, uh, we can open up some of those complaints ourselves. When we do um, have a chance to review a complaint, we can set several levels to review. Uh, those include using just what the police department has provided to us um, with no additional investigation, interviewing complainants, interviewing witnesses, um, all the way up to hiring our own independent investigator if we, if we determine that that's necessary. Um, those are our levels of review. Um, and again, it comes down to sustained or not sustained as far as what the chief has done. If we agree with the chief, um, then that's basically what our report consists of and it stays there. Uh, recently, we have amended um, our ordinance so that if we disagree with the chief of police or the city manager, we have a chance to meet with them and see if we can't get them to, um, if we can't align our, our decisions and try and talk through why we have a, a discrepancy in how we, we viewed this action. Um, and, uh, and then again, we would include that in our report. So that's a, a little bit of a thorough uh, explanation of who we are and what we do. Um, I'm uh, one of the members that serves a four-year term, as I said before. Um, and if you want to file uh, or review for more, more of what we are or who we are, I'd encourage you to go to icgov.org. Um, or just type in Community Police Review Board of Iowa City, and uh, you should have access therein to our webpage that has a lot of our updates on public meetings, agendas, contact information, um, as well as um, you know more information about the board members and um, some of our duties again, as well as um, our bylaws, which is where our powers come from, our standing operating procedures, and um, any of our forum summaries or public complaint reports, as well as annual reports are all um, provided to you in those, those areas.
Sorry about that. <laughs> Zoom is a funny time when you've got dogs. So, um, so I want to um, remind the audience that this is a public forum, which is a public record and is being recorded for rebroadcast on uh, City Channel 4. Um, now, I'd like to uh, read in some of the uh, correspondences. So, we uh, received a couple correspondences related to this forum that I'd like to talk about. If you can bear with me one second here. So our first correspondence that I'm going to be reading is from Brad Geyer. I uh, sent this April 11th um, to the Community Police Review Board. <clears throat> he says, almost every day there are more stories about officer-involved shootings and thankful nothing tragic has happened in Iowa City yet. Reading the requirements listed in a recent Iowa City police officer job posting, there is no mention of general protect and serve motto of policedom or otherwise requiring basic conflict resolution or de-escalation techniques for the job. He asks, why not add protect and serve the community or add a preference to candidates having conflict resolution or de-escalation training? It would publicly show that the next generation of officers are expected to maintain the high standards of the current force and potentially prevent a tragic situation from occurring. Uh, the response that we have is from our chief, Dustin Liston. <clears throat> uh, he wrote back, I appreciate the comment and agree the de-escalation skills are essential. We provide initial and annual training and de-escalation techniques to all of our staff. It is a critical component of the 40-hour crisis intervention training that all ICPD officers attend. Any formal training in de-escalation would undoubtedly be viewed as a plus for our potential hires, respectfully. Our second uh, correspondence that we have is from Temple Hyatt, sent May 10th, 2021. She writes, due to the state preempting local control, Iowa's county and city governments can no longer designate county and city properties excluding schools, as gun-free spaces, unless there is an armed guard present and a metal detector screening process. How do we notify the public that these spaces, library, recreation centers, government offices, are no longer gun-free spaces, and how do we protect city and county employees? Thank you, Temple Hyatt. <clears throat> 
Can I have a motion to accept the correspondence? So moved. By Townsend, can I get a second? Second. Seconded by McConnell. All those in favor, say aye. 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 All those opposed, say nay. Okay, the ayes have it. Um, before we go on to item number four, meet the police chief. Um, do we want to, does anybody want to address chief you otherwise, um, that final correspondence? <clears throat> sure, David, thanks for the opportunity. Unfortunately, I received that email um, before I got a chance to respond, it had already been posted. So um, I believe I've talked to Temple about this before. I know she um, has some strong concerns about that. Unfortunately, we don't have any control over those laws, whether they're gun-free zones or not. We just, our, our job is to uh, enforce the current laws that are on the book and we'll do everything we can. Uh, as far as how do we notify uh, people that th those uh, facilities are no longer weapons-free or gun-free zones. We don't. I think that would be on the whoever's managing that facility to do that. But um, I, I had this conversation, I think, at the last CPR about the, um, we certainly have to address the gun culture in Iowa. Um, the laws, you no longer need a license to carry anymore. So that's something that's certainly uh, something we are concerned with and we just have to make sure we're enforcing current laws to the best of our ability to protect the people. Great. Does anybody else um, want to comment on that correspondence? Okay. Then without further ado, I'm going to uh, introduce Chief Liston. Um, if you would Kindly uh, go and tell us more about your background and how it is that we came lucky enough to have you as our chief here in Iowa City. That would be great. Thanks again, David. Unfortunately, some of you guys have probably heard this. In fact, I think Orville could probably give my introduction better than I can. I think he's heard it so many times. But um, I was born and raised in Iowa. Uh, I grew up in Eldora. And I moved to Iowa City in 93 to go to the University of Iowa, and I was at the university from 93 to 97. In 97, I did an internship with the Iowa City Police Department, and that was my first formal experience with law enforcement. And I was very impressed with the department at that time, and it really made an impression. Uh, my brother from Iowa as well had gotten a job in El Paso, Texas, which is in far west Texas on the Mexican border in uh, for the El Paso Police Department. He invited me to go down and live with him rent-free, I might add, and uh, try to get on the department. So that's what I did. And I started the uh, El Paso Police Academy in the fall of 97. And I spent my entire career there uh, until uh, 2020, when I retired as a lieutenant at the time I was the director of a fusion center that was run by the El Paso Police Department. What a fusion center is, is a, a multi-agency intelligence operation. There are 80 fusion centers in the country right now. There's one in Iowa, it's in Des Moines, Texas has eight. Um, so that's what I, that's where I was when I left. When I was in Iowa City, I fell in love with the city and the community and always was looking for the opportunity to get back. So I, I'm a big Hawkeye fan. So I obviously followed Iowa sports and followed local politics. When I noticed that Chief Matherly was retiring, I thought it was a good opportunity. I was a point in my career in El Paso where I could uh, look for other opportunities. So I put my name in the hat and about eight months later, uh, my wife, uh, native El Pasoan and my two children moved to Iowa in the dead of winter. 
And uh, so that was a shock to the system, but uh, we're all very happy to be here. Uh, it's, it's really important to me to be in a community that I was familiar with, that I really care about. And uh, it's, it's, it's a real privilege to be back and to serve in this community. Great, well, welcome back again, and uh, we're glad to have you here. Um, <clears throat> we will now turn to item number five on the agenda, which is an open discussion regarding the proposed changes to the CPRB and the restructuring of the police department towards more community policing. Uh, to give some background, the city council had requested a report and recommendations from the CPRB us regarding changes to the CPR ordinance that might enhance our ability to provide effective civilian oversight to the Iowa City Police Department. Um, so in response to that, the board members, the five of us worked very hard um, to navigate a lot of the um, challenges that uh, large um, changes in, into uh, ordinances would entail, as one could imagine, and to discuss amongst ourselves various solutions, um, to come to accord wherever we could. Um, and we ultimately resolved to having 13 recommendations that we made to the board. Um, I will go through them very quickly. Um, in summary form, just to familiarize people with what they are and kind of give an update on the status of where those are. The first one we proposed was that in instances of a sustained misconduct complaint, meaning that there was a complaint um, that the, uh, the CPRB and the police um, decided there was um, misconduct that took place. <clears throat> The CPRB should also be given information about the corresponding discipline and that we also be allowed to include in our report findings on whether discipline is reasonable and fair. As it stands right now, as I said in the introduction, we are only opining as to whether or not discipline took place, or I'm sorry, whether or not misconduct took place and whether or not we agreed or disagreed, sustained or didn't sustain uh, with the findings of the chief of police or the city manager. Um, now we are asking for that authority to be expanded so that we can also opine on the discipline and we'd be provided some of that information. Um, on, Mar on March 23rd, in response to our proposal, the city council requested that they have time to conduct a legal analysis. On April 16th, we requested a time estimate from the city to see where we were in regards to that change. On April 22nd, the city attorney said their analysis was on hold until the state legislator acts on amendments to Iowa Code Chapter 80F, which they um, are, po are, are um, posturing that would answer the legislative authority um, without necessarily having an ordinance change for us and address those directly. Uh, then we go on to item number two that we requested related to number one, but broken out. Um, we requested that the, we shall have the authority to request city council have a disciplinary hearing. Um, our thought on this was that if we are reviewing the discipline, um, assuming misconduct was found and we disagreed with what that discipline was going to be, um, 
we wanted to do something besides be the administrators of that discipline and instead maybe ask the city council themselves to um, have a full-on hearing uh, so that they might be the ones that could determine whether or not the discipline that the chief or the city manager um, was was warranted and uh, was fair and, and reasonable. Similar timelines on this, um, we they requested legal review and presently when we asked them for the update on that on April 22nd, they said it's on hold waiting on Iowa Code Chapter ADF, which would um, reportedly address this directly. Um, proposal number three, we asked that an accused officer be required to comply with CPR investigation or be disciplined by the chief of police and the city manager. Um, as it stands right now, um, we can ask the individual officers as part of our level of review to, um, to partake in an interview as to the incident and they can decline to partake in it. Um, similarly with a name clearing hearing, which is if we are going to find um, discipline, um, if we're going to find that the officer um, committed misconduct rather, um, if we're going to find that that took place, then we have to give the officer a name clearing hearing. Um, I think in those instances, the board would like to speak with the officer and personally they can decline to attend that name clearing hearing as well and to um, give a report. So we're asking that basically that it be written into um, their duties that they have to comply with the CR CPRB requests. Uh, we are in similar state uh, for status on that one as we were with the others. Our fourth request was that a complainant should have the right to respond to the chief's findings and the chief's report before the CPRB shall conduct its investigation. So in other words, um, you recall it, I said that the complainant could file a complaint and then the police chief and the, or the city manager would file a report um, with its findings of fact for us to review. Um, and we wait for that report to be filed before we undergo our uh, own investigation. And the proposal we're proposing right now is that, that, that those findings would also be given back to the complainant themselves so that they might be able to um, clarify or review it and, and um, let us know if there's anything else that got overlooked um, in the in what the chief did uh, or what the chief categorized it as and found it as. Um, on April 14th, um, the city attorney drafted that for approval. Um, and those will be presented, uh, were presented to city council on May 4th and that part of it was um, approved. Uh, part of that is that the online database of officer complaints shall be improved to allow for quick searches of complaint history and a computerized risk management system to analyze trends. And um, that again is basically just to allow us to have um, have quicker access to make sure there aren't officers that are repeat offenders um, so that we can also, again, look into trends and see if there is a pattern of certain demographics um, that are being um, um, more subjected to misconduct and those type of things. And uh, having an online database of that um, that is quickly searchable, not just by us, but maybe on our website for everyone would uh, we think would help with uh, with those type of uh, 
uh, analysis is taking place and putting the right um, procedures in place to, to curb them where needed. The sixth one is that all complaints of misconduct shall be included in the police department's monthly disclosures to the CPRB. Um, so we talked at the beginning that, that we have um, certain um, complaints that we get to review. Those are the ones that come in straight to the CPRB. Um, we are now asking that we be given all of the um, complaints, both the ones that were brought right to the CPRB and also those that were filed just with the police department. Um, the chief um, upon hearing this request agreed to it. And so we are already um, moving forward with that one since April. The seventh one that we asked um, for was that the CPRB should be provided with additional information in the police department quarterly reports to review for certain trends. Um, uh, again, one some of the things that we were looking for on this uh, had to do with the number of arrests um, and the type of arrests, the type of stops, um, dealing mostly with demographics, um, following racial trends and um, those type of concerns that we have. Uh, this one, like the other one, was um, discussed with the chief and the chief agreed to it. And so we are already um, implementing that since April. The eighth one is that the CPRB should have the authority to hire an independent auditor to review the police department's internal investigation procedures. Um, we assign this to a task to a subcommittee what we were looking for was basically for us to um, have someone come in and um, analyze all of the policies and whether or not the um, policies were, were written fairly and accurately and or compliance with them was being conducted fairly and accurately. Um, upon closer inspections, we have learned, the CPRB did, that the auditing system within the, the uh, or an independent auditor that exists already um, is already effective um, and we are very satisfied with the independence of that auditor and we are withdrawing um, that request for additional authority. The ninth one is that the CPRB shall be provided city funding to promote awareness of the CPRB and enhance accessibility to its services. Um, we're looking for various things here, including just more advertising, letting more people in the community know who we are, what we're doing, um, and to try and explain um, some, of, uh, some of our roles within the community. Also looking to, um, relatedly, item number 10, access to a lawyer and social worker, um, some with medical professional uh, trauma awareness training to kind of assist with assist complainants throughout the complaint process, whether it be filling out appropriate forms or um, just to handle some of the uh, stress and um, um, trauma that equates itself with going through something, a perceived complaint, whether it be um, something that might be sustained or not. Um, so that was something that we wanted to bring through. We uh, have asked that one and city council requested legal review on that. Um, we are on hold for all those until uh, Iowa Code Chapter 80F, but the city also asked us for a proposed budget on that, um, trying to work with us on it, and we have developed into subcommittees to try to um, solicit to various organizations within the community to see if they would take up this task and also what um, their financing would look like for such services that they might provide. Um, we've got three more to get through, so I'm sorry if this is 
a little bit boring. Um, the 11th one is the expand the membership of the CPRB from five to seven or nine members. Um, what we wanted to do there is put an emphasis on minority representation and also a representation from a current or former member of the police um, or a police policy expert. I think it, um, it can't be understated that we are volunteers that have some training um, that we take on through here voluntarily at times, but a lot of times we are not um, professional. Um, obviously, we're not trained with all of the police procedures or personnel. Um, having a police policy expert or a current or former member of the police on here to help assist us with that besides just the chief who has always um, allowed us to ask him various questions and give him responses on the on what the policy is and why it's in that place and try and give us a police perspective from it is would be essential and obviously the minority representation um in like a uh today society we want as much of that um involvement as we can um for minorities so we can get their perspective make sure that their interests are being fairly represented in our uh, community review here um, that one is um being passed by the city attorney. Um, uh, I would say on that one that, especially in, in recent times, there it has been very laborious um, for, for our members. And we spend hours and hours um, on a lot of these issues that have come up, including what we're going over right now. We are restricted a little bit on our five members to um, only meeting as a quorum. Um, are not meetings a quorum, which means we only get subcommittees of two people and, and then we have to re-report. So having seven or nine members is actually um, really fruitful in the sense that we could have larger subcommittees and a lot more meetings without having um, the quorum requirements in place. <clears throat> uh, the last two, the, the 12th one is that the CPRB complainants should be permitted whether they're filed anonymously or through third persons, so long as there is sufficient knowledge of the underlying circumstances. Um, what we're looking for there is, is basically the fear of retaliation, I think can be present. Um, and, and we don't want people to feel as if by coming forward that they're going to feel some of that retaliation or maybe it's too personal for them um, so they don't want their names um, on there. And we do our, as best as we can to protect both the identities of the officers and the individuals alike. But um, we feel that, you know, so in some cases, filing something anonymously is, is um, there's good justification for that and we should permit it with the exception of they have to prove that there is sufficient knowledge, personal knowledge of the underlying circumstances, which is kind of a safeguard check against frivolous cases being filed. <clears throat> Uh, that one was um, requested legal review by the city council in March. Um, we requested a time estimate and it was um, told to us that it would be dependent on legislator acts on amendments to Iowa Code Chapter ADF. The last one is simply a statute of limitations extension. Um, as it stands right now, there's 90 days after the date of the alleged misconduct um, for you to file, for a person to file a uh, complaint. We just wanted that bump to 180 days. Um, and that was approved um, uh, after the May 4th, 2021 um, presentation. 
So that's where we stand right now. Um, there's uh, a lot of a lot of thought and consideration went into each of these, and we'd be happy to answer questions about why we um, implemented those or made those requests, um, and maybe didn't make others or drew the lines where we drew them. Um, I could tell you there was days and special meetings of of discussions, um, you know, where we went back and forth on a lot of this, and um, it probably isn't perfect and there's still room for lots of changes as we're all kind of changing in um in our community right now but uh yeah i do think that we've made some really good strides here and i'm proud of being part of the, this program as we're making some of these um, proposals and seeing where things go and so with that um <clears throat> we'll have a public discussion with us um, I'll ask um, if you are participating on Zoom from your computer, you can use the raise your hand button and you will be called on to speak. If you have called in by phone, you can press star nine to raise your hand. We'd ask that uh, you limit your comments to three to five minutes, depending on how many people we have. We might be able to take additional comments um, if, if it wraps up rather, rather soon. Um, when you do um, comment, please state your first and last name. Um, and please remember that we are being um, broadcast on television being recorded. This time I'll turn it over to the public. Okay, uh, first speaker is going to be uh, Temple Hyatt. Hello, Temple. How are you? Good evening. I'm, I'm good. Um, my name is Temple Hyatt. Um, I'm a, a resident here in, in Iowa City. Um, I'm also a member of uh, or a volunteer with Moms Demand Action uh, for Gun Sense in America. Um, and some volunteers in our Johnson County group um, have been reading through the preliminary plan recommendations um, and seeing if the, the content actually aligns with a policing policy um, that our, our policy making arm, um, every town has created. And I have a couple of questions um, on that. Um, and if, if this isn't the uh, appropriate forum or if there's someone else that can, can help with that, um, would be happy to, to follow up there. Um, but you mentioned um, tracking some more demographics with regard to um, use of force. And, and one of the things um, that they want to make sure uh, with the data that's being tracked is um, if there would be, I, you obviously have a lot of published regular reports about officer use of force um, and misconduct, misconduct investigations, but do those reports include victim race? And I, I don't recall seeing a, um, a column for that data and just wanted to see if that was going to be part of um, the database that you um, referred to earlier that was going to be uh, created. And then also um, in just reading through some of the, the information about the reporting, um, 
again, just seeing if this aligns with uh, with uh, every town policing policy, uh, do do the reports of, of shootings and other use of forces incidents uh, actually get reported to the FBI? Uh, as far as the demographics and reporting goes, yes, that that is um, um, some of the things that we've asked for uh, to be included in the reports. Uh, Chief, do you want to take it on with the FBI? Sure. The, all of that is reported and we currently do use of force does track uh, race as well. So uh, you'll see that the public can certainly see it on the next annual report. Um, we're working on the rough draft of that. It should be out soon, but that is currently tracked. Okay, thank you very much. David, I have a question. Yeah. Can you hear me? David, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. I have a question. Uh, oh, we did in our recommendation, one of the deals was that the information not only be made available, that we collect not only be available to uh, to the board, but we were talking about creating a cloud so that public would have access to it too. Uh, you know, where are we with that? Well, I, I know all of our reports and things are accessible on our database or on our online website presently. So if people have um, an interest in, in having access to the reports that we're receiving, which would include the use of force and those type of um, demographics that we're talking about, those are all published there. Um, so I don't know about uh, the cloud and online database system that we're trying to get um, up in place is still being reviewed um, and under ADF. Um, hopefully we'll have some more legal uh, room for some of that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, um, next is Dion Broxton. How's it going? Can you hear me? Can you hear me, Mr. Broxton? Uh, so I have several questions. I guess, would you like me to ask them one by one or to give them all to you at once? Uh, Whatever you think is best, we can try by, you know, all at once and then we can kind of take maybe a little bit of time. Okay, so um, boy, is this somewhere where I can find this list of 13 requests that you guys have? Um, I believe those are our on our online website. If they're not, we will make those available to you. Um, I looked, I couldn't find it, I'm sorry. Um, of those 13 requests that you guys have, what, what are some of that are your priorities right now? I did hear that some of them are approved, like extending the 90 days of an accused action to 180. Um, just Can you just tell me about some of those that are your priorities? Yeah, right. Uh, I agree, Oracle. Um, they're all priorities. And we, we had originally about 25 or 26, I think, that we kind of culled down. Um, and uh, and most of what we were looking for are, um, are all right now on all 13. Each one of them are important for various reasons and we think would improve and enhance the system. You know, um, certainly, I think. I, I would let the board members speak for themselves, but for me, it would be um, having some review of the discipline. Um, 
and, and being able to opine as to whether or not we think that the discipline is carried out because right now as the system sits and has sat since I've been on this board, um, we might all agree that misconduct took place and that's the, the end of it. That's all that the, that the board serves to, to say in its report is that the, the, the investigation was thorough, the misconduct was found and, and we would agree. Um, but we have no idea if the discipline resulting is, you know, a, a, a one day, you know, administrative leave or if it's termination and, and we don't get access or privy to any of that information. And that's not, um, that's right now prohibited by, by law. And so it's not as if um, that's just being withheld from us because the chief doesn't want to share that with us. It's, it's prohibited. Um, and so we're, we're asking basically to, to amend that and, uh, and allow us to have that type of information. Um, and that's, that's a major one for me. And I think would really give another peace of mind to um, the civilians that we are, we are watching what is happening when misconduct is being reported and that it's being, um, being dealt with fairly and accurately. I'm sorry to finish. If anybody else wants to opine on that one. I'll throw out my second question if no one else wants to chime in. Um, how involved is the Citizens Police Review Board and the restructuring of the police department plan? I know you guys have your 13 recommendations or your 13 requests right now, but are you involved in any other aspect when it comes to reforming the police department? Our, what we um, do that's kind of related to that um, and we're not, I would say we are limited only by what our ordinance allows us to do, which again, allows us to um, review complaints and also review policies that are in place and make recommendations on those policies as to how to change them. Um, we also do an, an oversight review of, of general trends like we discussed. And outside of those three things, we don't really have any powers, um, but, kind of related to your question, we do have that power to um, make recommendations to policies. And so we're, we're reviewing those constantly um, on every meeting and making various um, suggestions and having exchanges with the chief of police as to whether or not um, we think that those are aligned with our community goals and values and whether or not there's room for improvement and some other changes that we can make. Um, uh, I, an example of one would be the domestic violence um, statute. We asked that some of the um, protections that state law had also be fortified and written right into um, the policy um, directly for the domestic violence, if an officer committed domestic violence on the force and the repercussions would happen there. Um, another one, for example, would be we are um, currently reviewing and looking for perhaps an ordinance change on the general orders for body-worn cameras. Um, and what happens if an officer um, deactivates the body-worn cameras? Um, well, you're supposed to have it on according to policy. Um, we also presently in this last meeting, if any of you had um, observed it, we are in the middle of, um, with the subcommittee, uh, Ms. Nichols, um, making some proposals towards the general overall policy and overarching goals of the police department um, 
but they're very much confined to recommendations within those policies only. Yeah, David, I would just like to come in on that also. Uh, you know, I think it's important that the public understand that it's the, it's, you have to look at the mentality that you have in your approach. And, you know, our approach is not that the police department is no good. I mean, I, I'm speaking for myself as a member, you know, it's that I'm not feeling that the police department is no good and we should just chunk it. I'm approaching it with the fact that it's not perfect. And, you know, some, and would it not be imperfect, some citizens may be getting fair treatment. The question is, what can we do to improve that situation? And I think the things that we're putting in place, you know, basically gives more access and to, to us, and we're trying to give more access and accessibility to the public. But the bottom line is, if people know that they're doing something wrong, that's one thing, but if they know that they're doing something wrong and that they're being watched, that's a totally different scenario. And I think that's what we're trying to be. Like if we've got some police that aren't doing things that the way they should be done, then let's put some things in place that will offset that. I have one more question that I'll shut up. Um, this is for the chief. Um, what do you make of Councilmember Loris Burgess' comments last week about abolishing the police department? And what has it? I know you only started in January, but just um, how caught up are you with all these changes that are going on? And what are you optimistic about? Maybe pessimistic about? Well, I try to avoid commenting directly on uh, individual comments from council members, but I will say I had had a conversation with Councillor Burgess before uh, she um, published her editorial. And um, I'm optimistic about a lot of things. One of the things I'm optimistic about is the support from the community. Um, we've seen uh, a great deal of support. Um, and listen, my eyes are wide open. We know uh, no police department is perfect, but I'm proud of the Iowa City Police Department. I think we're, we've been ahead of the curve for a long time. This board is an example of that. Um, this isn't common in most cities. So um, that's what I'm optimistic about. And I'm optimistic about the community. I know it's a very engaged community. Um, you can see the number of attendees at this forum. It, that, that gives me optimism that people really care about the police department and care about the community and want to make positive changes that impact everyone. Okay, and Mr. Broxton, we can definitely send you those 13 uh, recommendations um, using the email you registered with. I found it, thank you. Oh, perfect, great. Okay, uh, and next one is Joe Coulter. Yes, I want to begin by uh, saying how much good the uh, CPRB has done. Uh, you're, you're working very well. Uh, also, I've had uh, over the years considerable contact with the police department 
in a positive way uh, in terms of their being sensitive to issues in the community. But I do want to uh, raise several issues that I think the CPRB, as well as other uh, others, such as the Human Rights Commission and other community organizations should look into. These are, these are three issues. One is qualified immunity. People need to understand what that means. Uh, I think the police department, the city needs to uh, create a situation uh, where everyone understands what qualified immunity means. The second is that there are a number of recommendations that were made by the OIR independent review. Uh, these are fairly considerable. They focus mainly on the problems uh, from last summer uh, and the use of, uh, of uh, tear gas and other uh, means to, uh, to uh, break up the uh, demonstrations that were taking place. And I think the OIR independent review recommendations are certainly something that all of us need to become better familiar with. Uh, finally, there's the city manager's plan for enhancing the community police uh, and making it more of a community piece. These, that, that's, there's a number of recommendations in there that I think the CPRB, as well as the police department, as well as the public and other uh, elements in our community need to address. Um, with that, I'll, I'll, with those three issues, I'll, uh, I'll conclude. And again, I appreciate how much the CPRB has done and how hard the police department is working and the city manager to uh, improve and move towards community policing. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Coulter. Okay. Next speaker is Susan Bryant. Hello, my name is Susan Bryant. Um, I'm a resident of the east side of Iowa City. I'm also a volunteer with Moms Demand Action. I have two areas of questions, please. One is the responsibility of the CPRB for either recommending or reviewing policy and procedures of the police department. And I was wondering if that recommendation or review um, authority is restricted to only those policies and procedures that relate to op officer behavior or if it extends to any or all policy and procedures of the department. I'll take 
good question. Um, so we review policies and procedures um, for all general orders um, that pop up and um, they're basically a, it's a scheduled cycle that we go through, but we can also um, spontaneously or on our own um, raise um, issues. And um, recently, for example, we re-raised re the issue of the body worn cameras um, and are, are making adjustments to those. Okay, thank you. My second question regards one of the recommendations, which would include additional communication about the CPRB to the public. And I was wondering if there are um, or is any kind of communication plan that has been developed for that recommendation and would like to suggest or recommend that some kind of uh, tracking system be posted online for the status of the recommendations so the public knows which recommendations are still pending and why, um, which recommendations have been accepted. And particularly helpful, I think, would be um, indication as to which or what state law and change in Iowa code is impacting positively or negatively the implementation of a particular recommendation. David? Uh, in response to that question, that seems like that's the information or report that the city council should release. I think it's noted that uh, you're asking for more of a public um, uh, disclosure of where we stand and more readily accessible public disclosure of where we stand on our, our 13 proposals that we have presently, or perhaps I'm, I'm mistaken, Ms. Bryant, are you asking about where we stand on our review of individual general orders as they come up? I think both would be helpful. On our um, agendas that are posted every time there includes both the policies that we're going to be reviewing and the um, the changes to the ordinances um, that are proposed and then we have our, our open discussion this is all open to the public so people know um, when we have not resolved it it gets carried forth to uh, usually old business um, and we, we post it there or maybe even on our new business if we want to raise something new um, and so you'll see those on the agendas as they work their way through. Um, and essentially, um, until we resolve it, you'll see those line items on our agendas all the way through. Um, ultimately, when we resolve it, so to speak, just so you are clear, we are not legislators. We are just making recommendations um, that don't necessarily have to be followed. Um, and so those recommendations would also be public and you'd be able to see those um, as we disclose our, our, our monthly reports. <clears throat> okay, thank you. Okay, um, and then let's see, Dan, uh, Dan Cobble. Hi, can you hear me? Hello? Thank you, Mr. Cobble. Hello, how are you? 
Hi, um, I'm okay. Um, I have one thing that I would like to comment on. I was just com wondering about the relationship between the Iowa City Police Department and the Iowa State Patrol. Um, I'm not sure if this would be the proper forum for that, but I think it's an issue that definitely needs to be raised because, I mean, out of all of the police agencies in the state of Iowa, the State Patrol are definite bad actors. Um, you can see that from the June 3rd tear gassing to June 6th, when the protesters who were trying to march on the interstate were told that they were going to be sent home in coffins. Um, and as, as can be seen from the tear gassing on June 3rd, the State Patrol were clearly behind that and they didn't uh, partake in the inquiry into that. And so I would just like to know um, what's being done to make sure that uh, the Iowa State, that the Iowa City Police Department is not aiding the state patrol in the terrible things that they're doing. Um, so that's my comment and question. Thank you. Chief, do you wanna handle that one? Sure. Um, as most of us are aware, the Iowa State Patrol has jurisdiction statewide and that includes the city of Iowa City. So um, whenever there's an incident similar to what there was during the summer, there's usually a unified command where uh, leaders from all the agencies or supervisors from all the agencies get together and try to make decisions as a unified group. And then the, the, uh, the final decision depends on who has overall authority. And as you guys know, uh, the state patrol has the authority over the interstate. So they're probably going to be the ones um, making that decision and then it's up to the rest of the unified command to work with them and figure out the best way that we can accomplish the mission. So all of that was covered in the OIR report and as Dan mentioned, uh, for whatever reason, State Patrol didn't participate in that, um, but the other agencies in the community did. Uh, Chief, I, I have a question related to that. Uh, the incident that happened last June, you know, it uh, and the report that we got back from or OMI, we or I, we we got uh, some interesting information. And one thing it it highlighted is that when you have a situation where you've got multiple organizations working together, but you've got one specific organization that's in control, a question that I have is is that. We train our officers and basically I think we do a good job in focusing on right and wrong. In a situation where orders are given by the organization in control, but it appears as though that's not fair to the public or it's inappropriate, do our, do our officers have the right to basically disregard it or because it's a cooperative agreement or are we obligated to have our officers to go along with something that may not be the best practice? Well, you're putting me on the spot, Orville, but as you know, I'm working on the uh, response to the, you asked for follow-up on those complaints. And I think I have about another month to get that done, but I want you to know I'm working on it. But I can tell you, generally speaking, not talking about specific incidents, you guys are well aware of our duty to intervene uh, policy. Uh, and so we do have that as policy and including everyone in the county has that. So if they see something that they think is illegal, they or 
an officer or someone using excessive force, they have a duty, a requirement to intervene. So we do have that. But as far as the June 3rd specifics, still working on that. Um, and we'll have them for you at the end of next month. Okay, thank you. Okay, um, and I don't have any new speakers, but Temple Hyatt would like to speak again. Hi, I am. I just had a, a couple of, of follow-up questions um, regarding the the personnel um, early warning system. Um, part of the Every Town policy recommends um, deploying formal to, tools to identify officers who pose a risk of serious misconduct um, and encourage counseling, retraining, reassignment, um, or intensive supervision. So I'm, I'm just would like you to um, elaborate on the personnel early warning system. And I'd also like to know um, if the Community Police Review Board has um, any um, involvement in that outside of, you know, specific um, complaints regarding use of force. Well, that's a good topic, uh, Temple. Thanks for bringing that up. One of the things that we do, and that's partly through um, our uh, accreditation unit, which was the organization, it's an organization called CALEA, um, and they are uh, the, the outfit that uh, Chair Selmer had mentioned as our outside auditor, and they make sure our policies are in line and that we are following the policies. And that's one of them, the per, uh, early warning system that we have to uh, create a report. I believe it's quarterly on tracking the number of complaints or the issues or uses of force that certain officers have, which would get us, uh, give us, a, I, some people call them red flag um, and how we address those. So we certainly uh, subscribe by the early warning system and we are following that. Um, I don't, I'm not familiar with uh, CPRB being involved in that. David, maybe you can chime in. Yeah, we are um, only reviewing the policies and um, compliance, but we don't have any, um, if someone were, um, for example, part of that or the warning system, we don't get um, that as a misconduct type review complaint or anything presently. Um, I think one of the things that we are doing that we proposed is to have better online tracking um, and a better database for um, misconducts against officers. They're all assigned an individual number um, and it should be easy enough for us to implement a, a quick um, research tracking system so that if there is um, repeat offenders um, and some kind of a pattern forming, we would be able to identify quicker and then um, we could, um, as part of our proposals, um, ask for a, a separate review of that um, and make various recommendations. Again, it comes down to just making recommendations, but at least it would be something that we could highlight more publicly. David, I have a question and a request. You know, we had one of our recommendations uh, asked for uh, to have an audit. And then after we talked to the chief, we discovered that they already have an audit and, you know, uh, by the way, thanks, Chief, for making that available to us. You know, it really answered a lot of questions. But my, now my question is, is that can, if we haven't done it already, can we fix it so that 
and stood about at it that we automatically, the Polish Review Board automatically gets a copy whenever it's done of the, um, the, the audit that the department does. Yeah, so I'll just clarify a couple of things. We knew that there was an audit um, procedure, uh, most of us did. It was just one of those of whether or not we wanted a separate independent one that just the CPRB could implement and instigate. Upon further review, I think we satisfied all of the members that the audit agency that has already taken place is independent enough um, and is carrying out the same goals um, that, the, that the CPRB would have its own independent investigator do. Um, we spoke with the chief of police um, and he has already agreed um, to disclose that and has made those disclosures to us of that um, annual auditing report. And so we have that um, present. Yeah, chief, how, how often do uh, you all have that audit done? It is an ongoing process. The formal audit, that large document that you guys received, that's four years, but it's an ongoing thing. I'll have to check to see how often they, if they provide an annual report, but it, it's constant. Um, th that's part of the schedule of the uh, general orders that you receive as well. We have a, a schedule where we constantly are reviewing orders and making sure they're um, still uh, up to speed. Okay, and my question is, is that in the future, can we fix it so that becomes a part of the procedure where whenever that's made available, that the Polish Review Board automatically gets a continue to get a copy of that? Yep, we'll get, we'll get to you what we get. Chief Liston, I just have a, a clarification. Um, the, the personnel early warning system, um, does that process include counseling, retraining, um, potential reassignment, or, or some form of um, in intensive supervision uh, where applicable? Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, uh, Susan Bryant would like to speak again. Excuse me, I was un, I was muted. Um, yes, this is Susan Bryant with one uh, very quick question, I hope. Um, it is really comforting to live in a community that has uh, the CPR, CPRB. And I was just wondering if there were any um, national association, national standards for a community police review board, or if it is very, uh, very idiosyncratic to each community that actually has one. I have not been able to find anything like that. I've looked a little bit. I think it's very individualized. Okay, thank you. It is individualized, but I do think that more um, recently there's been a lot of um, a lot of suggestions and, and um, organizations that are stepping forth and making proposals. Um, and we've all kind of relied on some of those, um, mostly through internet searches and others, um, including looking into other cities like Cedar Rapids and, and their quest for developing, um, developing a community police review board. So I think that there is some of those that are accessible. I certainly relied on them um, and, and some of their um, 
their suggestions when we were all debating what we wanted to propose for our own enhancements and how to um, increase our own oversight here. Um, one thing I want to say on that, again, I'm going to be resigning um, or the end of my term is coming up on June 30th here. Um, and it's been a pretty remarkable change, I feel like, um, with the community involvement here and even the, um, the idea that the CPRB is going to start getting some more of its authority. Throughout my term, anyway, um, I, I was always comforted by this, this board and what we did. Um, and my biggest thing I, I would suggest is that we do provide some oversight into when misconduct is being claimed, you can go to your neighbors and say, hey, can you, can you make sure I'm getting a fair shake here? Can you make sure that what's, what's happening is um, being investigated accurately and that you, you kind of stand by it? And we should all sleep a little bit better at night knowing that there is a board here that is um, you know, non-biased and, and willing to just look at things with a fair set of eyes and say, um, you know, hey, this looks good, or or no, this doesn't look good. Let's let's raise a, a raise a red flag and send it up by way of public report and say something something doesn't smell right here. I know that a lot of times there are issues taken when we are not sustaining um, a lot of complaints and we are in agreement with the the chief of police. Um, certainly, that has been the majority trend in my four years here. Um, but I would say to anybody that, that points to that as evidence that we aren't doing enough, it might be to the contrary. It might be that we are, are in a great city where um, we do have uh, a chief of police and a city manager throughout various chiefs of polices um, that have been able to you know, investigate misconduct as it's raised and, and do a, a thorough and accurate job. And that we have given that, that objective review and said, yeah, we, we agree. Um, just because we're not finding fault with police um, misconduct doesn't mean that we're just not finding it. It might be that it didn't exist. Um, and I certainly will take peace and comfort in knowing that there's a, a, the people that are still here on this board. Um, I'm excited about our new members. I'm excited about um, some of the proposals we have in place and knowing that they're going to be able to give it uh, that same set of eyes and that same set of objective review to make sure we're doing our best to uh, to to have this the, the police align itself with our community values um, and and uh, I thank everyone for my for my service here and uh, and everyone on the board here for um, for continuing that service. Yeah, and David, I you know I think I was it's unique in terms of having a police review board because not too many cities you know ha have a police review board. I think Cedar Rapids recently, uh, you know, began to to build one and, and has one in place, but uh, you know, not not too many cities have invested in such an endeavor, and you know, I I just like to share, you know, that I feel real good about it. It's like, you know, we meet once a month, and basically every month our police chief sits in on the meeting or he has a destiny to sit in form. So, you know, it, it's just not the police review board, you know, is, is having an investment in it, but I think the police force and the city council and the city as a whole has an investment in it. And, uh, you know, I really feel good about, you know, the existence of our board and what, what, what we're accomplishing. 
any of the other members want to share any parting remarks? Miss Pakal, you're, uh, uh, yeah, there you are. You're muted. You're muted, Jerry. Unmute my audio. There we go. Hi. <laughs> um, I believe we're the oldest police review board in Iowa, at least, that we were formed in what, 1997, 1995? But we have a pretty long history here. Yeah, okay. Um, David, we I, do have another person that wants to okay. speak. Right. Just didn't know if you were trying to wrap up. Uh, Tammy. <laughs> Tammy Nyden. Oh, and she just lowered her hand, so maybe she changed her mind. Oh, there she is. Yes. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Go ahead. Thank you. I was curious if the review board knows that there's a regular data collection on um, police interaction with mental health, not only crisis calls, but also interactions with mental health and inpatient hospitals, emergency rooms, and so forth. Do we have such data collected and available? Um. There's probably someone on this call who could actually answer that better than me. Uh, Kelly, would you be able to let uh, David Schwint speak? Because if we have that data, he would have it. I, I think there are some issues with gathering that data. Um, I know David's working on project, projects involving that, but uh, there are certain things that uh, some of it might not be as simple as it sounds. We just might not know what, what do we consider a, a mental crisis and not, but maybe David can uh, speak to that. Hi, this is Dave Schwinn. I just want to confirm you can hear me with this unmute. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, we do have limited collection right now on uh, behavioral health calls for service outside of care facilities. It's not routine for us to be called into facilities, you mentioned, um, for mental health calls for service. Uh, moving forward as part of the city manager's recommendations, uh, we are looking to implement more robust tracking of crisis calls for service uh, with a number of data points, including demographics, uh, type of crisis, what the response was, um, if, if uh, the criminal justice system is utilized, why that was utilized in lieu of uh, other services such as mental health services that are available in the area and such. So um, limited collection right now, just because traditional law enforcement systems aren't designed to collect that type of information. So we're trying to kind of come up with a a new reporting system and lead the way in that type of collection so we can better understand that moving forward. As you work on that, is it possible to add? Um, I know it may not be happening as often, but it does happen. Is it possible to add emergency calls where police are called into residential, ER, or um, inpatient? 
If it if it is a crisis call for service or a call for service where officers utilize their crisis intervention skills, uh, with the new reporting system we will be implementing, all of those will be tracked as well moving forward. Great, thanks. And that would include schools as well. I'm assuming. Yeah, it, regardless so of the physical regardless of the physical location of the call for service, uh, that data will be tracked because it's more on the behaviors that create the call for service and nothing more about where it actually happens. Yeah. Oh, so that that wouldn't be captured in the data that that was a call from school or a call from a hospital. Yes, whether whether the officer responds to a city park or a hospital or a group facility, uh, this report would be completed and collect that information. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, David, I would just like to, to add a comment related to that. I, I was just thinking back earlier of a case that we had, and I, I recall that the officers, once they arrived on the scene, someone indicated that the individual was having a mental health issue. And as a result of that, that knowledge, you know, they, they treated that differently and basically you know, in my opinion, you know, this is what's important is that when you do encounter a situation where a mental a, a individual is dealing with mental health issues, that you understand that, you know, we need to treat this differently than we would just the regular situation. So I think basically, you know, our officers, you know, pick up on that and, and, and give a different level of services. And I think that's important. We do have a Yes, I agree more. completely. And one. Oh. Sorry, David. Oh, that's okay. Uh, I just wanted to add there. Uh, I agree completely. One of the things that went right in that situation you described is there was an officer on scene that recognized that there was or had knowledge that there was a mental health issue there. Uh, the reporting system that we're working to implement would help that make. Uh, make that information available even if one of the officers on scene didn't have previous experience with that individual. So more making that information proactively available to officers responding to an individual in, a, in the future that a crisis situation may be the cause of future calls for service so they can take that information into consideration on how to handle future calls. We do have a couple more hands raised. Um, the next speaker is Travis Brees. Hi, sorry. WWL. I hope it's okay if I ask order. Um, this would be for Amanda or uh, Jerry, the members who are staying on for another year. Um, I just want to know when you guys had this annual forum in 2020, uh, I think there was a lot, you know, there was a lot of people here because, you know, the, the energy around police reform was just so fresh last year. People found out that the, and everyone was filing, you know, what was it about, you know, what can you guys do? I noticed, you know, there definitely still is a level of interest here and there's still people calling in, but 
how important is it for you guys to try to keep this community some of your plans to continue to to keep people interested in the CPRB? That's extremely important to me. I think that if we're a community advisory board that is making recommendations on policies that affect the entire community, then the entire community needs to be involved in that. Um, it's important that we hear what people's opinions outside of the five people on the board are. Um, and then Joe Coulter would like to speak again. I, um, I would like uh, to mention our new guide link center that uh, the relationship of the police department uh, the CPRB, uh, even human rights and other organizations uh, understand what is what is happening uh, with the Guide Link Center, and that many of the things that uh, happen that end up with sending people to emergency rooms or to uh, some sort of shelter are really uh, not serious police matters, uh, but matters to make people uh, and help people get better. And I think the GuideLink Center is an excellent, uh, excellent source. And I ho I'm hoping to see that the, 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 the police uh, employ more social workers or uh, people with uh, can understand psychiatric care uh, and other uh, things having to do with, with substance abuse uh, will steer more people to the guide link center rather than putting them in jail or sending them to the emergency room, which is very expensive. Uh, I would like to hear the police chief respond to that, as well as uh, as the, you, the chair of the, of the uh, CPRB. Well, thanks, Joe, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that's uh, something that's been a focus of ours since it opened in February. Uh, I'm also excited to tell you that the uh, sobering portion of the GuideLink Center just opened last week. So that's another jail alternative for us. Um, we have a fantastic partnership with Abby Ferenzi, the director there, and she's been just a great partner um, working with all the local law enforcement agencies to get to know how we do business and how we can improve how we do business. Um, as you know, it's an access center and it's completely voluntary and open facility. So sometimes, unfortunately, some of the people we may deal with might not be good fits for that, but we certainly will use it whenever we have the opportunity. And if you look at the numbers, I don't have them in front of me, but we are their largest client. 
Um, we're the ones who are referring the most patients and we're gonna continue that. And I think, as you mentioned, it's a great opportunity to get people the help they need because um, as you all know, sometimes the help that we can provide as a law enforcement agency alone is not the help that someone needs um, to get them to get their issues addressed, whether they be mental health or substance abuse. So that's where the guide link really comes in. And we are excited about that. And I think, um, I think a lot of other communities will be looking towards the model that uh, Iowa City, again, the Johnson County area has, has, um, has been a leader in this. And it's something we look forward to continuing. And you asked for my opinion. Um, I, I think it's it's an essential service. And I think um, to kind of echo some of the things that the chief says, one of the things we're we're struggling with right now as communities identify what that role of the police department is. And for the longest time when there was um, issues with mental health or public intoxication or um, addiction, uh, the person that you called was the police department. And, and um, you know, they're, they have a certain procedures and ways that are in place that we can all review, but um, until there is uh, appropriate, um, better suited facilities like the Guidelink Center in place, it really makes it hard for those police officers to be that all-in-one tool. Um, and uh, we're excited about that implementation and, and, and some of these other um, programs that are um, being discussed and, and, and changing over to those forums. Um, certainly, I would encourage all of that. My previous life, I was an attorney here in the, in the city and um, a criminal attorney and I, I went to drug court. Um, it was excellent, excellent uh, experience. And I was uh, really proud to be part of that and to see how some of these alternative methods saved the community lots of money, saved um, families from being torn apart and put people on the right track and, and prevented them getting into a system that is not meant um, and not designed necessarily to um, to handle some of these um, issues that aren't necessarily what we consider um, uh, violent type crimes or crimes that, against other persons. Um, and so I would love to see more of those implemented. I think there's uh, only gonna be better things to happen with, to us as a community, the more we can get those involved. And I'm optimistic that the police are gonna take full advantage of that. I'm sure they are as relieved. I really truly believe that they are as relieved as all of us that they have another answer, another tool in their toolbox for when they encounter some of these people and they have to do something with them. They don't wanna do the paperwork. They don't wanna sit down and, and arrest these people and put them back into the system. Uh, is my, my true belief on that. And I, I'm grateful that we have this as, a, as an alternative solution now. Yeah, David, I'd just like to make a comment, you know, one of the uh, advantages or disadvantages of being in a place over a long period of time is that you get to see the various phases. And I remember like back in the 70s and the 80s, the Alba City Police Department had more of an attitude or an atmosphere of, to protect and serve. And basically, you know, they were really working for the advantage of the citizens. And I guess, you know, the question is, what can we do to get back to that? Because I think that, that you know, that's a big key is the attitude and mentality of the department. If we can protect and serve, then you're working for the citizens and not turning them into victims. Well, I certainly appreciate your experience, Orville. You've, uh, you've 
you've been around a while and, and I, I appreciate that, but I, I'm going to have to push back a little bit. I think the department still is a protect and serve. And I watch those uh, videos every day and watch officers bend over backwards to deescalate. And uh, it's, it's a hard time to be a police officer right now. And that's fine. We signed up for the job. We, we go into it with eyes wide open, but that is, uh, that's the impression that I get from the officers in my short time here. And that's certainly my focus going forward. And I know these officers ha uh, have that in the front of their mind is to protect and serve. Um, so I do appreciate that, but I, I think we, we are, we are there. We're not perfect. As I mentioned earlier, we have room for improvement and we will keep trying to improve. Yeah. Not that I'm disagreeing with you, but I just want to say, when I say protect and serve where we used to be and where we are now, I'm not saying that every officer is a negative. I'm saying that we can we can still protect and serve, but we have to deal with the reality that not all of our officers have that mentality. And a lot of people are talking about getting rid of the police, you know, and my feeling is we don't need to get rid of the police. We just need to look at what is it with what we have that's not right and correct it. Agreed. I don't see anyone else with their hands raised at the moment. So just another couple more seconds in case anybody wants the last comment. <clears throat> Well, I thank everybody for their participation. We have someone? We do. Uh, Joe Coulter. Last time. Yeah. Well, or Orville knows me. Um, I just wanted to thank you, David Salmar, and our new police chief uh, for the work that you're doing, the work that you're doing together to improve our safety, our health, and uh, and and protect us. Uh, so, in my native language, it's miigwech. Thank you. I hope. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. And thank you all. Um, appreciate your attendance. I appreciate everybody's attention to this. Um, I do think that there's a lot of enthusiasm still, and um, I think it needs to carry forward. And I think we're all in this together, and we're all trying to figure out how to how to make this work for all of us. Um, so, with that, I will uh, make a motion to adjourn. Can I get a second? Second. Second by count. All those in favor, say aye. 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 All those opposed. Ayes have it. The meeting has been adjourned, seven o'clock, seven o'clock. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Good job, David. Thank you.